Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm Mischievous Marchinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man. But Dan, Dan, my friend, my, 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 my dear co-host and compatriot, the annuals don't count. Well, welcome to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange... Sometimes fun, sometimes annual, and always fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider-Talk. Sorry, my disappointment got me a little bit carried away there. I, I was going to say, you were selling it, man. Like, I, I was I was starting to feel bad. I'm like, did I go too far? Did I finally yeah, break that him? Was it. <laughs> I finally he broke, broke him. He broke me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If people want to follow along and witness my journey to become a broken man, how would they do so? Yeah, well, from start to finish, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, and Dan's brokenness, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics, as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. What's new? Well, Dan, today on the show, you and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 90, entitled Beyond, Chapter 16. This issue was written by Patrick Leeson, with pencils from Mark Bagley, inks by Andrew Hennessy, John Dell, Andy Owens, Wayne Foucher, and Victor Olazaba. It's a lot of inkers, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Colors by Brian Valenza, Dilho Lima, and Andrew Crossley, a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez, and letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. It's always a bonus the more artists' names are listed because then markets demangle them. This issue was first released on February 23rd, 2022. Dan, why don't you tell us what happened in this issue? Well, what happened was every couple pages, they changed inkers. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's not a great sign when uh, there's about as many artists as there are pages. That doesn't mean it's a bad issue. Let's get into what happens in the issue. My summary for Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 5, Number 90. Ben ignores Maxine's pleas for him to return to fight Queen Goblin and whisks Janine away to the Queensboro Bridge. 
Maxine threatens to make them fugitives again as Ben confesses to Janine that his memories aren't quite what they used to be. She directs him to Beyond's covert supervillain development site in Staten Island, of course, <laughs> to put an end to violent, <laughs> to put an end to Beyond's conspiracies. She asks that she leave him. She asks that he leave her at the McCarthy Medical Facility, you know where Peter's staying. Meanwhile, Peter and the Queen Goblin battle it out, with her constantly getting the upper hand and destroying New York in the process. They end up at the Queensboro Bridge, where Peter forces her out over the East River. But she gets the upper hand again and inflicts her goblin's gaze on Peter. It sends him spiraling into a depression as he sinks into the riverbed below. It's there that the floating heads of guilt return, but Peter hears the voice of Ben reminding him of their brotherhood. Ben asks him to get up and reminds Peter that they can both be the amazing Spider-Man. His words revitalize Peter and he leaps triumphantly from the East River and decks the Queen Goblin. Peter is then rescued by the Coast Guard as she flies away. Peter and MJ then deduce that Ben is headed towards Staten Island because why not? And Peter decides to go help him, knowing that together they equal one whole Spider-Man, half memory, half weakness, all Spider-Man. Ben oh, arrives at the facility. <laughs> yes, that's it. Ben arrives at the facility and encounters Peter. They both decide to team up and take down Beyond with well one well-timed bro. Brothers don't shake hands, Dan. Brothers got a hug. Anyway. All right. Perfect. <laughs> I wish I could give you a hug, Mark, uh, but uh, instead we're going to talk about Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 90. I guess if there was a warm hug in the in the form of a comic, maybe this would be it. Indeed, indeed. Well, well, well speaking of one half of the brotherhood here, let's talk a little bit about Ben Riley cuz just just some of the characterization here stood out to me from from Gleason here. I mean, we we talked so much again about last time around his Peter, but he writes just as good as Ben, which maybe makes sense since, you know, they are clones. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but no, I mean, with that said, like they've, Marvel's been teasing for some time now that there is, you know, that Peter and Ben are going to come to to blows. And, you know, after the way the last few issues have depicted Ben as kind of being this responsibility-less version of Spider-Man, callous almost in terms of his responsibility, I, I, I kind of was like kind of dreading seeing the heel turn for Ben and what, what they were setting up. So I was pleasantly surprised when, when Ben kind of comes out in this issue and he's like, look, I know something's wrong with me. It's all beyond fault. I'm not whole, like there's something missing inside me and I got, I got to figure it out. So like to me, it, it puts Ben in a far more interesting place. So like if this turn is not a bait and switch and Peter and Ben do end up facing off, I feel like we're now set up in a more interesting trajectory to get there versus Ben just being kind of his reverting to almost his villainous self again that we saw during like uh, Dead No More. Does that make sense, Dan? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love the explicit nature that like, Yes, he wants to bring down Beyond, but first his goal really is to restore himself and make himself whole again. And Janine says, like, they're not going to take everything from us, right? Like, 
you need to get your memories back. Whether that happens or not, you know, is will yet to yet to be seen. I, I like that. That's like a very clear threshold. That that's what he's going for. And you're right. It's it's way more interesting than just Ben bad, Peter good. Yeah, and 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 the stuff with Janine was really good here too. I mean, Janine, for better or worse, has kind of been written oddly in this run. You know, like like. She's kind of the 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 tell don't show of of character here in terms of like well no she's important to Ben so we have to keep reinforcing that but like you never really saw a lot of like what made them special together between like the ride or die comment and stuff like I like you I don't know like I I just felt the warmth there between the two characters it goes back to what you were saying in the last episode Dan like. These are just characters that want to be around each other, that like each other, that, you know, want to engage with each other, which is like, you know, shouldn't be that foreign of a concept in a Spider-Man comic. But here we are. We're going to praise it for for just writing characters who like each other. <laughs> but it, it worked for me for Janine. Like, I, I, I felt this was the strongest she's been since Beyond began. I like her motivations, too. You know, like it's it's beyond threatening to make them fugitives again. And she doesn't want to go back to that lifestyle. And uh, I thought that was a really strong moment for her as well. I'm not really clear why Beyond would have built an airplane mode into the (laughs) Spider-Man costume. But fair enough, you know. Beyond just keeps putting in like all of these little like features and gadgets that backfire. It's almost like, you know, Jack's smirking plot hole i don't know like it just just happens it just still happens every couple of issues i don't know comics people (laughs) speaking of ben what 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 did you think of the final moment where he like looks down at the spider-man mask and it seems to be kind of like evaporating into like an image of his face like to me it seemed kind of like he's not only forgetting like the mantra of spider-man he's forgetting spider-man all together because Peter shows up the next second and he's like, who are you? And then Peter's like, Oh, I'm Peter. And he's like, Oh yeah, Peter. Is that what you took away from that moment? Cause it's visually weird. Like it's like the masks eyes are dissolving or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I got like to that exact place, but like along those lines, I mean, like, it, I mean, we've been obviously getting this imagery of like, faces disappearing since the very beginning of this arc as we've established it's because of ben's memories disintegrating essentially it was effective to me i mean yeah i i i think this is this is just more of the effect of just ben kind of falling apart and 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 disappearing within himself um and losing that part of himself and 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 you know going back to what we were saying at the very very beginning of the segment probably is where this is all ultimately leading in terms of Ben vis-a-vis Peter, but still more interesting than just Ben being a, a jerk. You know, like, you know, obviously <laughs> yeah. sympathetic if he's just losing who he is. Um, it's it's quite tragic. It's setting up for some tragedy, but I, in the interim, I I really appreciated that they, they, that Ben is at his core trying to make right and trying to do right. I I, I just want to see that. I I I I've by hook or by crook, they have made me care about Ben Riley again, and I I, I want to see that through. <laughs> they got you, Mark. They got um, me. <laughs> so um, we started this review joking out or joking about the five inkers on on this book. What what do we think of Bagley's art? I mean, we got two inkers on the last issue. 
to me, the five anchors here might give a little more credence to your idea that we talked about last episode that, you know, Bagley might be in a fill-in position here. Five anchors to me is not your like first plan when you're making a comic book. There's clearly some some personnel issues going on at Marvel right now in terms of their art staff. And that's unfortunate. Putting aside the 900 inkers, which, you know, that's kind of like other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Like, you know, talking talking specifically about Bagley again. I mean, I, 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 I almost wish I could just can we can we cut and paste our audio from 89? Because I think it it, it, it applies here. I mean, like there is clearly signs of some sloppiness or maybe even, you know, inconsistency of inking. You're, you, you found some really, really sloppy coloring issues, which obviously have nothing to do with Mark Bagley or his inkers. This is clearly a time crunch going into effect here. But then there were also some really good splash pages. There was a great double page splash with like Peter or excuse me, Spider-Man and Queen Goblin kind of fighting above the city that I really enjoyed some stuff at the end with, with Peter and Ben kind of swinging into action together. So, you know, it's kind of that mixed bag of Bagley that we've been getting over the course of the last few issues, some really brilliant stuff and then some kind of rush sloppy stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know who Mark Bagley's Janine is, but I'm not sure like any artist has really like landed solidly on who Janine is other than Patrick Gleason, whose Janine I think really comes across on the page. It's almost like even more styled MJ. Like she feels very high fashion, very like, uh, which I guess MJ is, but like uh, under Gleason's renderings, I can always pick out Janine, but there is this great image. Uh, you know, the ones you mentioned are all really good. And there's one we haven't talked about yet. Cause we're going to talk about it in a minute, but I really like this opening of like, there's a full page uh, spread of or splash of, uh, of Ben and, and Janine swinging over the city with his leg kicking up. It's like classic Mark Bagley, Spider-Man swinging through the city stuff in his own very limber way. And I, I uh, really appreciated it. You know, someone in the chat, Alex Galucky is telling us that this was originally solicited as a Patrick Gleason drawn issue but was switched to, to Bagley. 93 was originally solicited as a $3.99 issue, but now it's a $5.99 issue with Gleason on an art. So maybe they swapped it out to push Gleason to the, to the end of the line so he can end it with a big bang. That sounds about right. So thanks, Alex, for the heads up there. That's something I didn't remember. I did, I did want to speak to the miscoloring that you mentioned. The, you know, people were catching this, and I saw it when I was reading it, is... There's like a, an image where like Peter's has blue knuckles in one of the panels. And there's another uh, panel where it's Peter talking, but he's blonde and Ben talking and he's, and he's brown haired. And to me, it seems clear that the colorist just like switched it up, but it's awkward because they say each other's names. <laughs> it's like, I get the colorist like, cause colors often do stuff before the letters come in. But like, it's so obvious. It makes me think like, okay, what was the time frame on this comic that the editors like really, I read it. I saw it on my first read through and I shouldn't be catching things on a first read through that an editor should catch on the first read through. So it, you know, we've bashed on editorial enough, but it makes me think like what kind of like fine tooth comb are we, are we, you know, 
uh, going through here. Uh, apparently, the digital versions are better. Um, I haven't yet, uh, you know, redeemed my digital copy, but apparently it got fixed eventually. But like, you kind of want to catch these things before they go to print. At least is my feeling. To kind of re, re, refocus on some stuff that I thought was positive. I mean, you know, again, we've talked at length about Patrick Leeson's Peter. What I think he really ca- captured well here in this issue was the Peter Patter, <laughs> if you will, was almost reminiscent of like the Stanley Dicko era, although with with more jokes probably than than Dicko would like. Just that idea of like this is this is clearly a Spider Man that is not confident in his abilities but is so he's going to overcompensate with with a patter uh with inner monologue with outer monologue <laughs> uh, just going non-stop i mean you know I, I i just felt that 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 balance between insecurity and and kind of almost using his his humor as a defense mechanism really shines here you know we've we've joked about it a bunch of times but like chuckled out loud when he made fun of like Goblin Queen or Queen Goblin? Oh, you rhyme with Green Goblin. I mean, like, it's just like that kind of like endless yap running that 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 I think of of Peter when he's in these very tense situations. It just it just all worked for me. Like it was funny, but endearing. And, and, you know, you're kind of getting the tension of of Spider-Man and just how fast he's motoring, I guess, in terms of his mouth. So. The Queen Goblin, Green Goblin line got a legit laugh out of me. Like, and also one of those, huh, it was right there the whole time. How come I never noticed that those two rhyme? Of course it should have been Queen Goblin, even though Goblin Queen is like what I'm so used to. Yeah, I I think the patter works really well in, in this issue. I think also like down to kind of the staging of the action scenes where like it's clear that he's kind of biding his time by kind of like, you know, using his, his jokes and the kind of like heavy writing on it worked a lot better for me in this issue than it did in 89, where it felt like the jokes were there to be jokes rather than like, like you said, a defense mechanism. So I totally agree with you. I I thought the Peter voice was very, very clear in this, this uh, issue. Well, well, speaking of clear voices, why don't we, why don't we talk about some of the clear voices that hang out in our Slack community, Dan? Yeah, sure. Go take it away, Mark. You bet. So hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on Slack. The amazing Spider-Slack community is absolutely free to join. And you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. Yeah, you know, I hang out in the Slack all the time. And recently we've been talking about Chasm. And some of you are probably thinking, like, what is Chasm? Chasing well, ASM, um, Dan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's the first thing I thought of. Clearly, they're going to do a new Spider-Man book called Chasing Amazing. And Mark will uh, have to renew his battle over what the Red Goblin, if we still remember that whole ordeal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this was a hidden message in a recent Patrick Gleason cl- cover. And everybody's been throwing out their theories about it. Honestly, I have no idea what it is. Like, I keep trying to figure out why CH, why CH. I know what ASM is, but Chasm is some Ben Riley thing we're going to learn about. So, California Hollywood Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, that's probably my best guess. So, if you have some, some theories about what Chasm is or any other thoughts on Spider-Man, 
You can join our Spider-Man community. Just follow the link in the description and you can sign up and join our Slack. Come hang out with all of us non-toxic Spidey people over there. Love those non-toxic Spidey people, Dan. We, we got a really cool stand up and cheer moment in Amazing Spider-Man number 89. And I feel like we got another one here in 90, like back to back issues, which is really cool. I felt that this was well set up and that Peter was clearly in over his head fighting the Queen Goblin. I mean, they're they're you know, she's basically just dragging him through New York City, making tons of property damage in the process, which they comment on. I appreciate that. <laughs> Kicking Peter when he's down and, 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 you know, kind of literally, I mean, they literally push him down into the water here <laughs> and he has to punch his way up. This is the inspiring stuff that makes me love Spider-Man so much. I mean, like watching, watching Peter, you know, get in over his head here, totally overmatched. But, you know, it's his resolve. You know, he kind of jokes about, well, you know, I got the guilt, the guilt thing down, Pat. So, you know, you can't 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 make me wallow too much in this Queen Goblin. And, and you know, when he gets into the Goblin gaze. So I don't know. What did you think of of Peter's heroic moment here? I loved it, but it didn't entirely work for me. So, like, I just want to say before I, like, say why it didn't entirely work for me that I think it's really great. And I think if we didn't get the moment that I thought like was so successful for me in 89, I would have been like, this is one of the best moments in a Spider-Man comic. And I still think it is. It's a really beautifully drawn, really well executed moment. It wasn't like thematically. It didn't really work for me. To me, the the crisis and confidence about the right to be Spider-Man, which is what's solved by this moment, didn't really seem to be the core conflict for Peter to me, it was more about like his physical capabilities more than any feelings about doubt. Like, I mean, like he's a guy that's so invested in being Spider-Man that he lies to his girlfriend, uh, former wife that like, I'm ready to go. Like uh, to me, this guy was never really doubting that. Whereas it was like the opposite was true for Ben. He was the one that was doubting his place as Spider-Man, you know, to me, the, the crux for Peter was more like he was throwing himself into the role of Spider-Man. He was letting that role of Spider-Man, at least, you know, the first issue of beyond was suggesting this, that Spider-Man was consuming him so that he could avoid thinking about the death of Harry. So like, wow, I think this is a really fine beat. It's not one that totally worked for me because I don't feel like, at his lowest moment here, the Ben showing up and telling him we can both be Spider-Man. I'm not sure that that was like what I felt Peter was truly wrestling with. So that, that level of like overcoming it didn't really work for me. It works for me on the page, but like uh, as, as a conclusion to like a long simmering storyline for the past 16 issues, it didn't really pay off what I thought that needed to pay off. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a, that's a fair analysis. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I might've been caught up more in the, in just the victory moment of it than that deep, deep of level of it. So like hearing you describe that, it kind of turns me a little bit on the, on the moment as a whole. So yes, you make plenty of sense, Dan. I, I did want to point out and, and I, I should say, this is not an original thought. I forgot who, who said this on, on the interwebs, but someone pointed out that, 
you know, would have been cool with the Queen Goblin since it's Ashley Kafka, you know, kind of reaching back into the memory hole here. And maybe maybe if this was Nick Spencer, they, they would have or maybe he would have just written about sins past or something. When she's giving him the, 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 the gaze, you would think that maybe some of the stuff that she pulled out of Peter during the Child Within arc uh, back in the JMD era of, of Spectacular Spider-Man in the 90s, maybe that would have come out. So I don't know, maybe a missed opportunity or maybe only hardcore fans care about that. Just just throwing that out there. After Nick Spencer's run, I'm very keen on letting things like that go. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like, I, like, like that's the kind of thing we would have gotten, which is like cool. Like it references the history, but it's not relevant to the story we're telling right now. Maybe it could have been, you know, but uh, I, I appreciate that that thought. But I'm like. You know, I didn't miss it. I, no, you're right. I didn't. And, and, I, didn't miss I mean, we it, got yeah. like, and we really, we got one quick reference to Harry's death in the very first issue of Beyond, and we have not touched on it since. So I think to kind of go there and bring that all up would have just been odd. But but it, it it's you know yes, from a historic standpoint, deep cut. You know, it it, it would have been cool, but. You're right. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm being I'm being a, I'm being a troublemaker and throwing it out there. That's all. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the sequence works like really well in terms of like Peter is falling down and his body is destroyed and he goes to the bottom of the East River and he's got the weight of all of that water on him, you know, to see him like use all of his strength to launch himself out of the water to punch the the queen goblin, I think would have been really powerful. It's more just the framing of it. Like if it was framed as like, you know, the strength of Spider-Man was never about the physical strength, but more about willpower, you know, then I would have been like, okay, like I know that like Peter always has an iron will. I mean, but it's nice, you know, like the reinforcement of like their brotherhood is, is nice, you know, and I think it'll serve the end of the book really well. You know, I mean, it's a beautiful sequence and I did want to point out there. It's a really cool there. Like I put it posted this on Twitter. It does seem to be a direct callback to Amazing Spider-Man volume one issue two, where Peter fights the vulture and goes inside of the uh, water tank in, in New York and has to launch himself out of it and gather his strength. Like the way he's posed underwater is exactly the same way that like Ditko drew it. And I have to think that like Bagley or Gleason, you know, made that decision to do that. And I thought it was a really cool visual. And, you know, it's neat to see anytime anybody references Ditko, I, I always like to see like one, that Ditko's work is so strong, even though it's way simpler. And like here you've got Mark Bagley, like drawing the hell out of this and colorists rendering every inch of it. And it looks great. And yet, for some reason, Ditko's just is more powerful to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. it's like really like that's kind of like what makes him such a master, which is not to take away from this. Again, I really like this moment. But, it's, you know, moments like this are always good for like kind of like a moment of reflection, because I think this is a really big moment for this book. Maybe what I wanted was the, the like a too much of a repeat of the get up and cheer moment from the previous issue where Peter you know, corrals his strength to save the black cat, you know? So I can see why maybe they would focus on something, something else. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did appreciate, and we talked about this last episode too, Dan was, you know, we, he, he, Peter refers to it as a breakthrough here. And, and, you know, like to me, this is more of a clear sign. Like 
he I, I feel like we're going to have a Peter who's not pretending as much going forward. It was admirable and, and inspiring what he did in the last issue when he saved Black Cat because he frankly shouldn't have been there. And it's his resolve that got him there. But like it was kind of I, I kind of maybe this was more of a sigh of relief than a stand up and cheer that it was like, all right. Our boy's back. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you know, we're, 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 we're not we're not grading on a curve anymore. You know, like he's he's ready to be Spider-Man for real now. So why don't why don't we end this uh, review talking a little bit about Peter and Ben? I mean, besides besides obviously the motivation here, but like, you know, we, we talked about it earlier that these two are just broing out here, even though Ben's brain seems to be going cuckoo right now. As someone who was kind of down on this whole concept months ago when they first announced it, like I, I, I was, I got to admit, I was kind of lapping this up, like, like, all right, the brothers, they're, 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 they're doing it, man. They're, they're doing their secret handshakes, and they're gonna, they're gonna take down the villains. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see them doing this. And obviously, it will get complicated. We still got a few more, you know, three more issues to go. But you know, uh, yeah, I, I really dug this. And that final splash page is really wonderful. Uh, they both of them in their costumes. You know, posing and saying bro, right? Because we always like to get bro in spider Yeah, you know, like, give me more badly splash pages, you know. Uh, really fun to see them back together, and I can't wait to see how this all concludes. Do we, we want to just hop right to the grades here? Yeah, I mean... Is there something between an A minus and a B plus? Like this is this is on A territory, but for me, like emotionally, the last one hit me a little bit more. So this one, I guess, is like a B plus, but it's a really strong B plus. See, I you, you you're stealing my line, Dan. Like so, all right, I, I got to admit, before this all started, I was thinking A minus on this, but you 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 got some, you came up with some good points. The the quality control issues with the art need to be taken into account too. It's a B plus, but it's a very, very, it's the highest B plus you can get without becoming an A minus. So <laughs> it's like a, it's the like grades a, are arbitrary and so are the new yeah, in-between yeah, grades we've made up. In so, 89.9999999999999. Okay, great. Well, make sure somebody's recording that somewhere. There you go. Uh, so, so that we, we know how we're, we're doing here. Uh, yeah. Another really fun issue. Mark, have we been this positive on Amazing Spider-Man like like this many comics in a row? Like when was the last time we really felt this strongly about the book? I think probably slot imminent because like there was a good run of issues during those two that that I I felt really helped close out their run strong. So this is but this is this is really the first time in several years. So very exciting. If you guys find our show entertaining and valuable as much as these comics please consider supporting us even if it's not as much as these comics. Cause like we said, these are really good comics and I think we have a really good show, but maybe it's not quite up to par as <laughs> to the comics, but whatever. Why am I even setting up this? Why are you device? talking us down? Dan? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, you know what? I, I could still use your help. Recommend amazing spider talk to a friend. You know, that always really helps us. We're still a small podcast with, a very loyal following, but we could always use more people in the amazing spider talk fold recommend the show. But if you really love the show and you do think it is as good as these comics, why not become a member on the Patreon? 
We can only bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members, and we owe the show's success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, well, so why not take $3.99, the price of a new comic, and put it towards a month's subscription to support the show and start receiving our Patreon content. That way you'll hear our Patreon-exclusive review podcasts on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man, just like the one you just listened to, the very week they come out in stores, rather than waiting for them to arrive on Marvel Unlimited and in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Yeah, so if you want to join our Patreon, all you have to do is follow the link in the description, click on it. You know, that's how the internet works. It'll take you to our Patreon page. You can see all the things we have to offer. Give it a try. I think you're going to love it when you sign up. So uh, thank you again for your consideration. And a special thank you again to all the members who already are on our Patreon and allow Mark and I to continue making this show. Alas, though, Dan, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. And our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and spider Madge. So Mark... Until I forget our motto, what's our motto? Wait, actually, what is our motto and who are you? Oh, Dan, you silly forgetful person. Our motto is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Don't, don't miss the next in-